gone, so it's Sweet. tracking now, but we can start whenever. Welcome to Western Kabuki. <laughs> <laughs> I am Wack Nicholson. Uh, hi, here Wack along. Nicholson. Oh, hi. Here with <laughs> with my co-host. Who is going to introduce himself any moment? Okay, is that what we're doing? Okay. Uh, I also do. I haven't decided. Am I calling myself Bird or am I calling myself Caleb? Uh, that's it's, that's your call. It's your name. All right. Do we I'm get going to vote on what name. you do? You can. You guys want to vote? Mm-hmm. Just go by Bird. Okay, Bird at Bird Respector. Hey. And we are joined by a YouTuber and Twitter luminary, <laughs> Kelgore Trout. That's me. What's up? And today we are uh, doing a deep dive into the works of Kurt Vonnegut in honor of Kel Gore. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> I haven't read any Kurt Vonnegut. Wait, why do you call yourself Kel Gore Trout? Then? Oh, no. I mean, I, I was joking about the Kurt, oh, Kurt okay. Vonnegut part, But uh, just because um, it's like Kilgore Trout is the character, but then my name yeah. is Kelly. And so I'm like, oh, Kel Gore. And then over time, it just sort of evolved into this thing. And now like, I kind of identify with the name a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I never felt much like a Kelly. I'm not like the other <laughs> Kellys, you know? You don't have Kelly energy. I will say They're that. They're beautiful. No. Uh... <laughs> I yeah. legit just guessed that your name was Kelsey, not Kelly. Yeah, Kelly that's what did I not occur to me. Oh, really? Yeah. I should have gone with like Kelly Duvall or something. Like I should have like. Oh, yeah. There's so uh, many other options I could have gone with, but I went with like the um, like middle school reading uh, shit people hate online. So um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I get a lot of I get a lot of people being like, I'm following just because of your awesome username, and I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> in for a ride. Specific kind of guy found. <laughs> yeah, the only other uh, the only other Kelly I've known was a uh, girl I went to high school with, and she had a twin sister named Shelly. Oh, oh come on! Yeah. Awful you know what? We gotta we gotta get rid of twins. <laughs> <laughs> gotta stop them. You know, and I rarely think it's the twins' fault. It's the parents of twins who are the real um, sickos. <laughs> like dressing yeah, they... them in matching outfits for way too long. It's cute when they're like six months old. I get well, it. Now with uh with the kids in high school, now a lot of them there's a lot more twins and triplets than there were when I was in high school because of in vitro. Right. So I knew and aspartame. I, uh, yeah, and aspartame, yeah, and the and the and the damn hormones they're putting in the chicken. Um yeah, and the microplastics in the cum. And the micro yeah. all of it. Did yeah. you say in the cum? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Am I allowed to say that on here? <laughs> oh yeah. You're allowed to. <laughs> Oh, I guess we should maybe tell people that we just watched the movie Pig together. All I don't see. I don't see why we would tell them that. <laughs> oh, well, we should tell them because if they want to hear the commentary track, it's on your Patreon. That's why we're telling them that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Kel Gore. For... <laughs> Got to be plugging all the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> always be helpful. Yeah. We, uh, so, we, yeah. Give, we give uh, Kel Gore a commission for every Patreon uh-huh. sub we get. So yeah. she's pushing hard. Sign up, guys. Use my code. um no but for real kelly yeah it's a name that um it was tough because there was a there was a a, another kelly in my grade you know for all of high school and she was even shorter than me and i'm pretty short and she was much prettier and she was the the cheerleader that they would like throw around you know what i mean like that they would throw up in the air that's like how little she was and um she was just like gorgeous and um so that was fun did what you beat you her ass at like some the, point? I was like the other Kelly, you know. Yeah, you have to establish dominance as the we alpha. We were in a point. lot of the same classes too, which was really unfortunate. But she was yeah. she was great. Yeah, I have like nothing bad to say about her. She was super oh, nice. She, what's she and doing smart. these days? What she got going on? <sighs> no what's, idea. What's Tiny Kelly doing with her I life? You didn't go to your rolled out into the your... sunset and never looked back. You know what? I didn't have Facebook when the ten year rolled around. Yeah, and I don't think anyone that I still talk to, which is like two people, I don't think they were with it either and i didn't ever get an invitation oh, damn so, that's yeah. cold yeah it's cold well they probably like googled me they probably like looked up my facebook and were like oh she doesn't have one next you know what i mean yeah. i'm sure they tried one of those like nerdy girls that does the alumni stuff yeah, yeah. we uh my my <laughs> my uh my high school my 10 year high school reunion was fucking crazy and they drank like they we i was with them uh, like <laughs> 
the, the, you just like watched from afar. The waitress was like, "Yeah, you guys had like six bottles of Jack Daniels and like five oh bottles God. of Patron." And like, holy shit, just went fucking crazy at this uh, very small town bar. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it probably would have been a great time. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know mm. if I was ready for it in 2019 though. I'm ready now. If they do a if they do a 15 or 20 year whatever they do, I'll I'll be there. I'll you should organize it. You should get on top of it and and yeah true like i said i didn't have facebook but also i remember one time my, someone asked me oh when did you graduate high school and i was like oh 2009 and it was this was in 2019 and they were like oh so it's like you're 10 years this year and i was like i had like a crisis about it i was like 10 years <laughs> what the fuck it was like this weird moment i was like no 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 no, no. i'm not like i'm not that old <laughs> <laughs> i'm not 30 no no way <laughs> All right, so yes, we did watch 2021's Pig, yeah. uh, starring Nicolas Cage, um, the kid from Hereditary, and Alan Arkin's son, uh, <laughs> directed by Michael Sarnowski. Yep, Sarnowski <laughs> this was his first, first, uh, this is his debut, so uh, good job. Point. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that's because Unbearable Weight had like a... a lesser known guy he'd only yeah. television or something right yeah, that's Nick just kind of whatever to, that's yeah. like his whole thing is he'll just like he'll do stuff that most other actors i think would not touch with you know i think it, I think it works mile. out more often than not yeah yeah so nicholas cage's whole sort of uh philosophy behind that is that like old hollywood actors used to do all sorts of movies you would see like marlon brando did like musicals and and so his or Gary Cooper would do like some sort of like beach romance or whatever. So the whole idea is that um, he wants to be like the old Hollywood guys who did like hundreds of movies. Yeah. For yeah. like just always whatever. working, always getting better. Yeah. And I, it, part of his idea was to like the reason he did so many straight to like VOD movies is because he wanted to sort of usher in a new era of filmmaking with video on demand. The same way that like um, VHS led to like all those crazy uh, 80s like horror movies and low budget action movies and stuff. So he wanted to be on the cutting edge of that, which is like Hmm. weird that he like made a pivot to independent horror movies (laughs) (laughs) like 30 years into his career. Yeah. But I guess like with the way I don't know, like streaming and all that, like the all I don't like the business side of Hollywood and everything, the way it's going, like maybe doing stuff like that isn't a terrible idea. Well, clearly not. I mean, we we as we the reason we're doing this podcast in the first place is in hopes of him becoming a sort of this being a Nicolas Cage Renaissance that yeah. we can uh uh. <laughs> Right. Also, uh, I'm hoping he'll just come on and be the third Mike. Frankly, you never know. <laughs> hey, you never know. He's kind of a wild card. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah so well, I guess, what the fuck did you guys think of Pig? Yeah, we did just watch it. Um, you guys go first because this is my first. My first viewing was watching it with you guys. Um, uh, I don't want to go first. <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies that's been made in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really hard to do, you know, when we were first talking about starting this podcast, I actually kind of was dreading doing this one in particular because obviously we're just trying to goof off and have fun, but this movie is just like so like personal and existentially deep kind of, I don't know, for me personally anyway, you know, uh, with you know, the themes like grief, loss, all that. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like really kind of difficult to, goof off and like oink so if you listen to the patreon which you should you should subscribe i don't know what we're charging yet because it's not out but you should there are lots of (laughs) long pauses where we stop joking because the scenes are like pretty intense you know pretty yeah and it's hard it's it's hard for the purposes that we're going after because um it's very quiet for most of the movie it is talking the talking parts are pretty important. So Yeah. <laughs> Dialogue is important. That's crazy. And also you kind of never know like when they're finally gonna say something. And so <laughs> you don't want to like start chatting. Yeah. And then have it finally be like so and I mean, like, this this is gonna sound like reductive. This isn't what I actually mean, but like there's like 
five or six scenes in this movie that actually like are the movie, you know, and the rest of it is kind of right. surrounded by, um, you know, good stuff, uh, visually yeah. and you know, kind nice of quieter narrative, but like, you know, I we'll we'll get to them as we go over the plot. I think I don't want to get into that quite yet. We're, we're jumping ahead, but yeah, like more or less, there's I would say like five or six really key scenes, and in in our live commentary, we do I think shut up for most of that stuff. <laughs> most of it. Uh, so yes, in the the plot, we open on uh, the woods. Uh, Nicholas Cage is living there along with a pig, uh, the titular pig. One must imagine, uh, and the. <laughs> And uh, the real pig is, is the viewer, dude. You didn't get that. Yeah, <laughs> we are. The, we were the hogs all along. Oh, I just uh, put to, I just put it together that the movie's called Pig, and it was about a pig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna want to. You're gonna want to look out for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh shit, dude! This yeah. movie is so deep. <laughs> I didn't even like get that, you know. <laughs> um, and and don't get too attached to the pig. Um, but they're <laughs> they're out. <laughs> That I mean, actually, that's the moral of the story: is don't get too attached to the pig. Uh, but there, he and the pig are out hunting for truffles. Uh, Nick Cage eats some dirt. He finds the truffles. Um, and by he, I do mean Nick Cage. The pig yeah. is just sort of chilling. It and, shows me uh, that, like, that's like the, one of the very first scenes. Actually, is that Nick Cage find? You don't really actually realize the gravity of that till the end of the movie. But he right. finds yeah. the truffle on his own without the pig. And he and the eats just the dirt. Very funny. Or yeah. Maybe he just smelled it. It looked like he actually ate it, though. It, yeah. It looked like he ate it right off the knife. Yeah. Or whatever that device was. Like it looked kind of like trowel. A yeah, a trowel. Um. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he is selling them to the kid from um, Hereditary, who is driving Big a yellow, yeah, uh, driving a yellow Camaro. He's from the, the Demon City. King. He is the uh, he's King Payman. Payman, um, yeah. He's not from yeah. around these parts. Mm. No. no, no. He's no. he's kind of a dick. He's got expensive sunglasses on, and he sell he buys the truffles. And then that night, Nick Cage has a a tape that he listens to about six seconds of, and then turns it off, goes to bed in his long johns, and then <laughs> with he gets the ass flap. <laughs> we never confirm uh, that there's an ass flap, but I we think we don't that's... get. I mean, how else? How else could you have such a? He never movie? takes it off. There has to be a flap. Has to be. Um, he gets the shit beat out of him, and the pig, the pig is gone, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, now he has to go on a John Wick style revenge mission <laughs> to get the pig back. From Pig um, Guantanamo Bay or whatever, yeah. Which is like what I think everybody thought this movie was going to be was like John Wick with a pig. Or you like know, Rambo I actually with a pig, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did think that as well at first, but I knew like from the discourse around it that people said it was like sad and very yeah. quiet. And I can confirm both of those things. It is sad and very quiet. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that the uh the vibes off this movie are substantially different from the ones coming off of uh, unbearable weight of massive talent which was yeah. a, a fun buddy romp in which dudes rock i would say dudes rock in a very different way in this film um this is dudes is learning a... to rock i think <laughs> or relearning to rock in some cases yeah. dudes uh developing the capacity to rock <laughs> Um, this is like so, dudes rock deconstructed yeah there you go <laughs> yeah which is thematically important um, yeah. because they do de have a deconstructed scallop meal at some point I think it's part two is called that. it is uh, part two yeah what was yeah. part was one like, called um, again like pancakes or something it was like mom's french bread and uh, deconstructed scallops or something like that no those were two different ones the, were they different wait, ones what no, no, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Mom's French toast and deconstructed scallops was part two because that was yeah. the meal that uh, I don't know. I'm so bad with character names. Um, the kid from Hereditary, Amir is his name. Amir is his name. Yeah, we can call him Payment too if you want. The King Pay when King Payment um, <laughs> um, made him a meal. But yeah, so um, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I did it so smoothly with the unbearable weight one. But what happens next? He goes to the diner next. Is that right? Um, oh, he like walks they, for a while because yeah, he, he tries to get he tries to hitchhike, so he's trying to get the pig back. 
And so, yeah. So then he ends up at a diner and he asks for Margie. And it turns out Margie has been dead for a decade. So so he's been in the woods a while. And and he's looking like a woodsman. He does not mm-hmm. look like a man of 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 any sort of paved road or running water. He also kind of like just looks like how a lot of guys look, <laughs> especially yeah. in and around Portland. I don't like know. He could like, own a record label, or he could be homeless. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Exactly, exactly. Like that's why. That's why he couldn't take a shower throughout the film was to indicate to us, the audience, that he was not a record executive and was, in fact, a, a dangerously mentally ill woodsman. <laughs> I would have yeah. loved to see him all like that with like he had the blood all over his face and the long beard and long hair, but like wearing one of his like sexy little outfits from his other movies. <laughs> like his like, like one of those like ghostwriter movies. He wears like leather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leather jacket, no he shirt. Just looks like underneath. fucking Crashmore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. He goes to the diner. He uh, he uses the phone and calls the the drug dealer, who's not a drug dealer, the truffle dealer. This truffle guy. Yeah. Yeah. So he's um. So so Alex Wolf's character, King Payman, he is like the only person that Nick Cage knows in the outside world who's not a, a woods person like himself and so uh they drive where do they go first um they go, they go st- to uh, that that site where they're like digging well i think you might did they go to his apartment first or no that's the they that's after the fight club thing, no you're right. they, okay, they so... go find them the meth heads that's right yep one night, Rob is assaulted. Unidentified assailants. They steal his pig. He reaches out to Amir, who helps him locate a group of impoverished drug addicts yeah. suspected by a local truffle hunter of being the culprits. Yeah, so they go to the meth head. Well, yeah. they go to the lady. They go to the she lady. Knew, who she is, knew who did it like right away. Woods. Yeah, they're in a woods colony. He's like, like a truffle I, processing plant. Yeah, like, it's like yeah. where they get all the truffles. Like something. the Gus Fring of truffles. <laughs> yeah. Los Pollos but, Hermanos, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the Los Pollos Hermanos locale is very much in the woods under tarps. Yeah. It's not a <laughs> it's not a factory. Oh. Don't picture a factory if you haven't seen this. And film. it's also not illegal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they act like it's this drug trade. It's so funny how they treat uh like inventory management for restaurants in this movie. Yeah, they yeah. act like it's like Ter- there's like territory and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of Costco? Yeah, yeah there are uh, there are like there are like people with trucks and stuff who bring food to restaurants. It's not like uh, a guy. I mean, yeah. I is this movie based on any? I think truffles are kind of weird like this. Yeah, but I don't well, think, I think it's nearly as like dramatic i think it's also uh, a little bit on purpose and we'll get into this in some of the more important scenes later but like kind of overstating how important these people take this and like how intense like uh produce purchasing and and everything is for like fine dining is kind of intentionally i think done this way to kind of like because later i think you kind of see uh, rob nick cage's character when he's talking to that chef he just cuts through all the pretense and all the bullshit of like this entire thing and I think yeah. so. It's kind of like a, a narrative choice to be a little bit on the nose with this stuff, or maybe I'm just giving the movie a little too much credit. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I like that reading, but it is that is uh I don't know. <laughs> I'll make my that, case for that later when we get to that. Okay. Point. I I like this scene with the meth heads though because well I won't give anything away, but it's like kind of. Oh no, we're we're spoiler. We're this is spoiler. Uh, spoiler oh okay, podcast. but because when he's talking to him, they pretty much like admit. Yeah, right away and that's a kind of a thing i noticed several times in this movie is like the people who they like question kind of just like fess up immediately or yeah. like it's really clear what their answer is like they're not denying that they know where the pig is and then so they ask him where the pig is and they tell him oh, like a rich guy with a fancy car took it basically is like kind of their answer but like they must have known in that moment that like the pig was pretty beat up yeah, they didn't right. want to tell them that they because so again, I'm assuming we're assuming if you have if you're listening to this that you've watched the movie. So spoiler, yeah. uh, the pig is dead at this point. They yeah, or it was when they kidnapped the pig, they accidentally yeah they killed it killed or they um came close to killing it and they had to put it down. It doesn't really exactly say, but yeah, yeah. 
But like, it's kind of it, like looking back on that scene with the meth head and she's like telling him where to look like she probably knew that the pig was basically dead. Yeah. Right. But they don't let on to that. Really. Could have saved everybody a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. True. And I think there are, I mean, there are a few moments throughout this movie where it's like, it's heightened to a point where it's like, how does he not know that what is going on? Like the point later when the, uh, uh, when uh, Amir makes him the food, when King Payman makes him that meal that he's like, Oh, my mom had the best food ever from this chef. And that chef disappeared. It's like, very obviously talking about Nick Cage, like how yeah. could everybody not realize what is happening here? Well, I think that he I, yeah. did, like he kind of was like uh, Im- implying that he knew. Okay. Payment. No, he didn't know he he didn't know he was Robin Feld until he wrote that on the Fight Club thing. Which is that when he found out? Yeah, and then the next day he's like, "I know who you are. My parents ate at your restaurant. That's it right. So yep. good that my mom. Okay, that's that's the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Freaked out or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. My mom so lost let's her back mind up a little bit. So then, food. then they're basically like, "Okay, we're gonna go find this guy in the city," and he's like, "I'm not taking you to the city." And then that. Yes. And then. And so. Yeah. They go to. <laughs> so they go to. Um, like the basement of a restaurant. There, there used to be. Well, a remember he there. goes to Edgar first and offers him the ten dollar poke bowl. For information yeah. on the pig, and this is important because he's, you know, he uh, Edgar gives him the line that was like, "Your name used to mean something around here. Now you're nobody. Fuck off. I'm not telling you where your pig is." Then yeah. they go. He, that's where he gets the idea to go to the underground part. And yeah, it's funny because speaking of like drugs, like it's funny how cagey everyone is around this pig when it's like. The truffle pig, we looked it up during the thing. A truffle pig costs about $10,000, which is a lot for a pig, but not enough to like risk several people's lives, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and going along with that, truffles, I, I'm, I Google it right now. I'm on a, a food vendor website. Truffles are expensive. They are $110 for, two ounce, for a two-ounce mushroom. Yeah. Uh, but... We're not same... talking about fucking blood diamonds, though. <laughs> yeah, it's there were three hundred seventy dollars a pound, roughly. So that's expensive, but it's not like a life or death amount of money. It's not. It's certainly enough money that a meth head would rob you, but not enough that you would need to leave the woods and and go on a revenge mission. I don't. Think. Right. I well, again, you know, we discover at the end that he didn't actually has, need the pig for that. Yeah, the and the pig. pig has the pig has sentimental value. Yes. Um but yes, so they um he doesn't get the information from an old friend who lives in some type of camp situation. They then go to a, another restaurant that has been torn down, but they don't need the restaurant, they need the basement which hasn't been replaced. The basement's fully intact and so they could Yeah, they sneak. like go through another restaurant to like sneak into this abandoned secret basement like, basically and then even in, club. inside the basement there's a secret wall in which there is the restaurant fight club um yeah. and it's sexy uh, it is it's uh very well according to calgore it is yeah sexy. it's very sexy down there the chandeliers <laughs> that chandelier the was pretty balling yeah so can we get a can we get an answer calgore which is sexier this fight club or the original brad pitt fight club are we talking about actors or decor? Yeah, we're we talking about the, the club, setting, the club. the club. This one was definitely sexier. Okay. Yeah, I think so. But um, yeah, so then he goes up to this very, very sacred piece of cardboard and he <laughs> writes his name, and we finally find out that his name is Robin Feld. Robin Feld. And, yeah. and the room falls quiet. But they do still need to punch him, so they yeah. do. Uh, so and he it's lines a punching up. club. It's not really a fighting club. <laughs> yeah. It's like you so get the deal to- is, is like you try and what do you like try and either time yourself for a distance or you try and stay on your feet for a minute and they'll try and like depending on who you are, they'll pay a certain amount of money to for the privilege of just kicking the shit out of you. Yeah, right? like one person gets to punch and the other person has to take it and if probably if they fall down they lose kind of deal. Yeah. And he yeah. falls down and then they let him go. The Poke Bowl guy lets him kind of Edgar. wail on him for a solid 15 seconds too long <laughs> on, on Nicolas Cage. This the little, bell has this, rung and no yeah, little bell boy in. is like beating the shit out of him. 
And um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. This is prop. So I guess the what I took from this scene, because it took me a couple of viewings to really understand, because this is like tonally way different than the rest of the movie. It's kind of a strange um, scene. And I kept trying to think about like, like narratively, it makes sense that, okay, Edgar had just told him like, you're nobody anymore. And then he goes down there and all these guys like line up, they'll pay any amount of money to kick the shit out of him. Probably because these are all restaurant guys and they all like... <laughs> have been fired by him or hate him because he's used to be such an asshole or whatever. So it kind of like proves to Edgar, okay, well, his name still means something. So he gets the clue as to where to go next or whatever. Um, but I just don't know like why they chose <laughs> underground restaurant fight club to do that. You know what I mean? It's just so I think, I think it's fun because just like the truffle industry probably is not uh, as dramatic as they're right. making it. Also, the restaurant industry is not nearly this dramatic, or at sure. least I'm not allowed to talk to you about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool. I remember when I saw this. I so I saw it in theaters, and I, eh, we don't have to get into details. But I kind of missed some of the movie, and I think I had to like pee like eight times. Mm. <laughs> so I like missed all these parts, and I was only there for like the silent parts, and somehow missed all the moments of dialogue. But um, I remember thinking it was really cool to like see kind of this like restaurant worker stuff going on, because in movies, a lot of times anyone that works at a restaurant might as well like they might as well not even like show their face. Right. It's like this very weird, like passive actor thing that happens. And these were like, you know, this is like kind of dressing it up a bit. And I thought that was kind of fun. I also kind of thought maybe, and I don't know again how how like much credit you want to give this to this movie, but the author of uh, Fight Club, Chuck, how do you what's his Pal Pal Palenik, Palenik, um, he's from Portland, so I almost kind of wonder if that was also a little nod to him oh, as well. Yeah. Oh I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. That is very likely. I would assume he looms large in certain circles uh, sure. in that area. Um, but yes, so they do, he gets beat up and then they go back to Amir's house and Amir makes him the deconstructed scallop, which again, a scallop is an ingredient. You can't really deconstruct, <laughs> you can't like deconstruct like black pepper because it's just one thing. Like, yeah, you can deconstruct like a peanut butter and jelly if you put bread on the plate next to a pile of jelly and a pile of, pe that's deconstructed, but can't yeah. deconstruct the peanut butter it's there's probably Unless you're god like, or something there's probably some <laughs> philosophical like existentialist thing that we're missing there i think but theseus's scallop or something <laughs> i you know some something with deconstruction that i guess i'm just too dumb to get but yeah, yeah. That, that was a, a little bit silly it's okay yeah, so all the chefs listening to this are like smug and being like oh, they don't even know yeah. they don't even know you can deconstruct a scallop uh, all of, yeah, all of the meals had like one element that was slightly odd. That was mm. just kind of like, what is that? So the later when uh, in part three, when there's a bird, they don't even say what the bird yeah, just is. mystery bird. I love that. Yeah. Um, Mike, yeah, you said you said it was the state bird of Oregon. I thought it might have been a quail. We joked that it was a pigeon, but it also just looked like a pigeon. Yeah, I mean, so, I wasn't serious with that. Uh, it was probably <laughs> a part. quail or something. Yeah, <laughs> probably some sort um, of fancy bird. That seems like something they would eat. So after Amir makes this meal, he says that the best meal he ever had in his life was was or no, not he. Yeah. His mother yeah, told his him about a meal, uh, and then she killed herself. And it, it was Robin's restaurant. Yeah. 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 You come to find out that it was like, you know, his mom, she's suicidal. They his, didn't have a happy marriage. And that was like one of the few times he remembers her ever being happy is when he ate at Rob, Robin's restaurant. And so you kind of get that. Yeah. So then it through through in this little sequence here, we also learn that Amir is uh, a failure. He is not doing well. His yeah. father is also a restaurant uh, supplier and he does much better for himself. And his father is not proud of him and thinks he's bad at this job. Um, he thinks he's so bad, <laughs> we learn later, that he wants to knock him out of the game by stealing Nick Cage's pig. Yes. Um, oh, is that why dead. he did it? Yeah. Oh, I yeah, thought he, he just wanted him for himself. No, he just wanted to knock his kid out of the game and get him that, desk, that cushy desk job. Yeah, oh. it seemed like he was like being like in his role as a father, being like, 
you're not cut out for the game, kids. So you might oh as well. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I kind of did not like pick up on that, but I also feel like that it's just so hard for me to believe that the Trump yeah. industry is that serious that like yeah, fathers think... and sons are like manipulating each other about it. Well, again, yeah. like I said, I'll make my case in a little bit as to why that's kind of done. That's what I was about to say is that I feel like your case is building as we talk about this, yeah. Caleb, because wait, what case are you talking about again? That, that this... it's this movie is intentionally like elevating this like pomposity mm-hmm. or audacity of this shit. That's like essentially not really that meaningful. Um, oh you know, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, uh, to the chefs who are angry at us, I just googled the phrase "deconstructed scallop dish," and I didn't find a single one. I found one with "deconstructed guacamole," which makes sense. Yeah, well, there's multiple ingredients. Again, I'm thinking that I, this is like a, an existentialist thing, not a not a culinary I, thing. Or this is like maybe a, they're mocking. Maybe they're like they were like doing a little bit of a meme. There, like it could also be that. That's too, yeah. probably it, because then they go to another restaurant that a the waitress well, sk- is. Oh, what did I skip? The the part where, <laughs> in response to that, so the only reason I bring it back was because he he talks about that um, dinner and then his how his, his mom like was suicidal and he says that line where like if you're like that you're just like that, and Nick Cage gives this kind of bizarre little monologue about how it doesn't matter because like. Oregon is going to get destroyed in an earthquake and tsunami and it's all going to be underwater. And it's like kind of a jarring thing to say. And I've been kind of thinking about it. Like, okay. Uh, we'll get to that probably a little bit more when we get to the sad chef scene, but just, just an important thing to kind of note that he said it and why later. Okay. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so he does say that really cryptic thing about how they're all going to die. Very, very ominous yeah. by the way. <laughs> Um, but yes, then they go to a restaurant and it is a it's a fancy place. And the waitress is in the middle of a diatribe about the <laughs> so dish funny. in front of them. And in front I of would them love sits... to go to this place and be like, oh, y'all got some clucks and fries. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good voice. You got to hold on to that voice there. Um, <laughs> but they uh, she's explaining whatever it is. What appears to be in front of them is a crystal ball filled with smoke. She removes the crystal ball um, to show a uh, some sort of very <laughs> look like fecal food. matter. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. It was awful looking. Tiny food, we call it. Just tiny it, food. It appeared to be a, an over easy egg and a whole truffle mushroom on the plate. Is what no, it that was a to pine be. cone. It oh, it was a pine cone. I missed. That's right. I missed that. Because it was the smoke from a pine cone. <laughs> from a burning pine cone, which yeah. looks like a truffle mushroom. And True. Yeah. And they ate it. A smoked um, egg. <laughs> I love it. Uh, they ate it uh, unceremoniously after this long description of what it was. A very dour and, meal. Yes. And then Nick Cage says he wants to see the chef. Uh, keep in mind that he is covered in blood. Yeah. He looks like he <laughs> smells. Yeah. <laughs> he's and, he's uh, not looking like he should be in this restaurant. No. Worse for wear is our friend uh, Robin. And the chef comes out and he is a very eager, very uh, w- well-meaning, affable young man. I guess he's not that young, but he, uh, yeah. He comes out and he's very excited to talk to them. And then um, he gets a better look at Nick Cage and realizes that he is speaking to the one and only Robin Feld. Um, and it Legendary turns out this culinary mastermind of Portland, Oregon. <laughs> it turns out that this chef was fired by Robin Feld for overcooking pasta after working two months for Nick Cage's restaurant. Um, oh, we should also th- mention that Nick Cage um, has like photographic memory. Yeah, you learn. He has, <laughs> wait, like, it, this is his superpower. He remembers. Wait, really? Yeah, he well, says he, this alludes to it a couple times. Yeah, he like keeps bringing up like really specific things like that that normal people would not remember after fifteen years. Like that's not a normal. It's not normal to like remember all these little nuances and details about like every yeah. meal you served and stuff, but it's yeah, okay. He says because... that like flatly at, at, at the, towards the end of the movie to Amir's father. I can't remember his name, but he says, I remember yeah. every meal I ever served, blah, blah, blah. So. Okay. Yeah. I, I did think not it's maybe re- to emphasize that like it, it was such an important thing in his life or something. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. 
It's a little weird. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then he does say that something else about him that like you always did X or wanted to go some. I can't even remember what it was. Oh, that he wanted to make you British wanted- food. Yeah, he wanted to open up a pub, yeah. and it makes the guy really happy to think about it. When he fi- So this is like, I would say everything you need to know about this movie, and what I was kind of getting at earlier, it comes from this scene. Like, Okay. He, you see Nick Cage absolutely just like eviscerate this guy. Like everything mm-hmm. he says, you know, when I fired you, what did you say you wanted to do? And he wanted to start like an English pub. And what was that dish you wanted to serve? And the guy that whoever, I wanted to look it up. Um after we finished the last episode before this one, but I didn't get a chance, the actor's name, because he did a tremendous job. Um, you see it in his face as he's describing his dream. And then um, basically Nick Cage has this line, and I, I, it's, I'm paraphrasing because I was typing it while we were watching it and I didn't get a chance to correct it. But he says um, to this guy as his like dream is dying, he's like, the critics aren't real, the customers aren't real because this isn't real. Every day you'll wake up and there will be less of you. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. Now, Dennis, where's my pig? So that line right there kind of shows you, like, he just kind of cuts through, like, all this pomposity of just, like, how ridiculous this whole thing is. That restaurant, the the monologue from the waitress, everything surrounding this, the food ordering, all of it is bullshit. And I think, again, that was kind of heavy-handed on purpose, just to Mm -hmm. cut to the point that this movie really is about, I mean, grief and tragedy, sure, but subtextually finding and deriving meaning, right? And what actually means something to that guy was his restaurant, his, his dream. He did this instead because of, you know, I don't know, outside forces, capitalism, whatever you want to say, which ultimately I think were the same kinds of forces that drove Nick Cage out into the woods um, through his grief as well. So again, you get like probably 30 minutes of dial of discussion about this one little five minute scene. And I think that the rest of it really, like, I was trying to describe before there's like five or six scenes that really like this movie uh, can be summed up in like 20 minutes, but the rest of it is just kind of surrounding that. And I think this is, this is the scene that really shows you the rest of what you need to, to know for the ending of the film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah I think and you're that's... right. I think it's like his way of being like, I used to think all this shit was important too. all these little details about the food, what people think of it, how much money comes in. And then you experience grief or loss like he did. And I think he realized none of it meant anything to him. Yeah. And I think like, you know, whether, so uh, whether it's culinary stuff, this could really like, it could be um, music and, or it could be, you know, any sort of art, really, this could be mm-hmm. a stand in for all the kind of the bullshit or any it. job it really, really. Mean anything because external for, if you're any good at anything, you're going to end up like the sad chef. It's going to be, you're not going to follow your dream. You're going to have to do like what outside forces compel you to do. And yeah, um, pandering, you know, basically. Yeah. Or feel yeah, like so you're, he's sort you of, are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he's sort of like, uh, uh, at that point in the movie, emotionally, we sort of see that he, he's a man sort of ripped between what he thought was important versus what he thinks is important now. And it's kind of like this, like, his whole reason for putting all this effort into finding a pig that he doesn't need in the first place. It's like, right, exactly. Because you, again, yeah. at the end of the movie, you kind of learn he doesn't need the pig. He did it because he loved her. And, that was what he derived meaning from, you know, all the stuff that made this chef start his <laughs> pinecone restaurant or well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's like the, the only like long bits of dialogue we've gotten from Nick Cage at this point are that the world's going to end. And then this thing about how he basically breaks this guy by yeah. getting to the very root of this man's soul and like, being like this is all fake and i think it, it it's powerful because he like basically will say nothing for long periods of time mm-hmm. and then he says this like really profound crazy kind of, yeah profound shit that like hurts someone to hear and this, like, dark existential kind of almost like manipulative it. though because he's just trying to get them to tell him like, yeah. where his pig is but he just he had to break him down like, first <laughs> yeah but like as quickly as possible basically but you mean like yeah. None of this matters. We're all okay. Die. So, I just googled something, and mm-hmm. I'm like kind of floored by this uh, in light of what we're talking about. Uh, so, he mentions that the 
the the the failed chef, the one who has this corny ass restaurant. Mm-hmm. He worked for Nicolas Cage's restaurant, which was called Hestia. Mm-hmm. And Hestia is a Greek goddess who is the goddess of the hearth, which is like the goddess of the home. And his new restaurant is called, y- y- I don't know how to pronounce this, Eurydice, E-U-Y-R-Y-D-I-C-E. Oh, yeah. I remember saw- seeing it on his shirt, but I couldn't like figure There's out what it said. Name. What is that? So the- she is the god, uh, she is a the wife of Orpheus, who is the god of dreams, I think. And uh, she tried to bring back. Oh, he tried to bring her back from the dead with enchanting music. Ooh, uh, shit. Yeah, so she Fuck. is the dead wife who was brought back to life with music. Okay. Huh. See, you got to get right to this movie. Little details like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Good Easter egg. Oh no, Orpheus is the is he the son of Morpheus? He is in the Sandman comic books. Uh, he's a <laughs> son of Morbius. <laughs> yeah. It's Morbin time. Morbin time. Uh, he's a bard and a legendary musician and poet. Okay, yeah. Oh. So she is the wife of a poet who is brought back to life with music. Okay, cool, very cool. All right, so. They have this very important conversation that is the linchpin of the film. Overwhelmed by the memory of his dream and the reality of his current circumstances, Derek confesses that Amir's wealthy father, Darius, was behind the theft of his pig, having learned of its existence from Amir. Robin angrily ends his partnership with Amir before going to confront Darius at his home. Darius promises him... It says $25,000, but first he says 10000 Which then is he the says exact 20, amount a truffle pig costs, which I thought yes. was interesting. It kind of shows you he doesn't, yes. it's not about the money, right? No, and it's not about the pig either. Yeah. You know, these are higher ideas. And so there's like this long thing, and then the, uh, the father says that he's going to kill Nick Cage if he doesn't stop looking for the pig. Um, and he's going to give him $25,000 in exchange for it. Um, and doesn't threaten to kill Robin, which I thought was notable there because it's like going along with with these themes that you pulled out, Bird, that like this is at the same time not a life or death situation, but it's almost like very low. Yeah. But at the same time is still like very important to everyone involved. Yeah. Um uh, Amir visits his comatose mother. Okay, so we find out the mother's not dead. Yeah, he said that she oh, was dead. Oh, I totally just put something together too. Yeah, what is that? They, Amir's mom. He says, okay, you know, she killed herself when she effectively did because she ended up in a coma and she hasn't. Yeah. It doesn't seem like she's been awake or in their lives or anything since. Right. But it's also like. At the end, when the dad admits that the pig is dead, maybe he's like also kind of admitting, like, like it's like this big admission that like he it's something he didn't want to say out loud before. He can't. Like he'd do yeah. anything, he'd do anything to just not say what really happened. That's right because um, they've been like keeping the mom and like this home or hospital or whatever, like keeping her alive, but like not telling people about it. Yeah, I don't know. It just can't like let go. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, remember early, if you listen to the commentary track where we talk, we're talking about classical music, that's an excellent point. So, you know, this whole time you see Amir, who by all means, he's just like this young kind of broy guy, drives a Camaro. Mm-hmm. Well, why the fuck is this guy listening? Not just to classical music, but it's like this tape that's an instructional, like on how to appreciate and enjoy classical music. And it's like, well, why is this guy listening? Oh, to this? yeah. And then you get to the house and you realize, well, his dad's listening to the same song, right? Uh, it's a little little subtle thing, but then at the end, I think when you're talking about his father's inability to let go, one thing that you see as Amir's kind of last little development in his arc is he takes that tape out and like starts listening to whatever it was that he put on, but he takes the tape out. And it's kind of like a symbol of like he's learning now to grieve over what happened in a way that his dad never really could, I think. Yeah, and like he maybe he loses the idea of like trying to be able to impress his dad. Be like his dad. Yeah. yeah he's be like his kind dad. Of his own path. That's another thing of just like finding hmm. your own meaning and stuff. Which yeah. Is like actually what this is all about. 
and with the everything they eat and drink, there is a sort of like almost like a disrespect to tradition. Like they gulp down that twelve year old bottle of wine. Yeah. Uh, there's like a uh uh you know, I mean, you find out the pig's dead, and it's sort of like what they've been trying to do. It it never really mattered. And there's like um uh uh when he eat he. He goes to that lady's house uh, with the baguette from this baker he used to know. And it's like, well, that's that, his that... old restaurant that he has. Yeah. yeah. He left it to her. Yeah. Yes. And she turned it into something else. So, like, it's like the yeah. restaurant isn't even there. And she's like living in the moment. And he is like revisiting a, a, a part of the past. So it's sort of like the present and the past come together where it's like that bread to him is the past, but it is a fresh uh, loaf, a fresh baguette that she gives to him. That sort of like helps him, right? Leads to to him accepting this uh, 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 new reality. Yeah, especially when he after he gets the bread, and again, maybe we're giving this movie too much credit, but like as he grabs the bread, he's walking out. He notices that line about the curtains. Oh, uh, you took down the curtains, and she says, uh, "Lori always wanted him gone." His wife, Lori always wanted him gone. And he pauses for a second. He says, "It looks better," and then he kind of walks out. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And earlier in the movie, he said something had changed. I can't even remember what it was, and he said he didn't like it. I can't remember if it was that restaurant that they tore down or something. Like, there was some yeah. piece of change that he didn't accept, and now he is accepting the way the world is. And he's kind of starting to come back a little bit. Yeah. Um. So after turning down the offer, uh, he goes to – he leaves, and, and Amir is outside, right? Yeah. And um, that's when he says that he doesn't need the pig to hunt truffles. He said the trees tell him where the truffles are. And um, he wants yeah. the pig back because he loves her. Yeah. And like this whole time he was like, oh, we can't, we don't have time to train another pig. But like he didn't even mean any of that. Yeah. He was just saying that to. I think I we know. kind of um, glossed over a little bit that dinner at the end when he finally learns how the, the, what happened to the pig. And like all three of them are just crying. No, no, no. This has Oh no, I, sorry, we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, yeah. we haven't gotten there. I thought we were talking yeah. about the end. Yeah, so he does go to his old restaurant. Um Oh, in the, the gets... cemetery too, and we find out Lori died. Yes. His, so yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, his, his, his wife, his late wife. Yes. So at the cemetery, Amir goes to the cemetery and Amir gets a bottle of wine from the graveyard. <laughs> yep. The person who yeah, keeps some, the cemetery. Sometimes. So it was the wine from his and Lori's old restaurant and he left it in the basement of the mausoleum. Was yeah. What it, what it was for. So he goes and gets a baguette from the his former baker. Uh, Amir sources special ingredients, including a bottle of wine from Robin Lori's personal collection held at the mausoleum containing Lori's ashes. After sneaking back into Darius's house, Rob and Amir cook and serve dinner to Darius, the same dish and wine pairing that Rob paired for Darius and his wife years earlier at his restaurant. Uh, Darius, the dad, takes about one bite of this meal and recognizes what has been done here. And this is also the scene where we see the bird carcasses and we don't find out what the birds are. <laughs> Mystery bird. Yeah. And he, like, freaks out. So he has, like, one sip of wine, one bite of the food, and then he has, like, a full-on freak out, runs to his liquor cabinet, gets the <laughs> w nicest bottle of scotch, one yeah. glass of soup. <laughs> In and a he crystal just, vase, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he it. just fucking slugs this 50-year-old scotch. And uh, he's like, I know what you guys are doing. And um, it's, like, a very taut, sort of emotionally fraught scene. Um, and that's when we find out that the pig died when they tried to kidnap it. Rob yeah. is devastated, which is the only sentence it says here about what how he felt about it. Three <laughs> sentences, put it, three yeah. words. Rob is devastated. <laughs> a remorseful Amir drives him back to the diner that he went to at the beginning. So we have a sort of cyclical thing where they go into the city and leave the city through the same sort of path. Despite Amir's carelessness, Rob designs to resume his partnership with him. He returns to the forest. Rob washes his body and face in the lake before returning to his cabin. I never caught the significance of himself not of himself washing at that point. He didn't. The yeah, yeah, the whole time he didn't ever like wash anything off of himself. And it opens, and at the very beginning, Amir says to him, "Like we got to get you a shower." Like, right? Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah true. I can't believe I didn't catch that. 
I didn't either, actually. Um, yeah, and so now we have the tape. So he plays the tape, and it is Lori who has recorded herself playing a cover of Bruce Springsteen's song, I'm on Fire, for him for his birthday. And then that's the end of the movie, and the very sad lady singing this sad song. Um, well, Nicolas Cage plays, is also very sad. <laughs> plays over the credits. Yeah. At least he was clean, though. Yes, well, he was and, still wearing the long underwear. He was still wearing the long underwear. <laughs> he didn't really like get clean. He just washed he his just, face. It's true. <laughs> he just washed <laughs> the blood off of his face. He finally buttoned <laughs> the ass flap, at least. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, overall, I thought it was very entertaining. You know, to sit and watch. I was like really drawn into it. Um, even though it was like, like we kind of said, it was. A little bit of a ridiculous premise but like the themes yeah. were so kind of strong in there that it, it was like very emotional i remember i definitely remember crying when i saw it in theaters and um oh i mean sorry, it really we, it re sorry go ahead uh i was just gonna say it really sort of sucks you in i mean and you can hear yeah, that in our commentary sure. recording uh because we were all kind of like uh, uh yeah because we're taken all just silent <laughs> yeah I mean, <laughs> even having seen this movie a bunch of times, it was just like, fuck. I'll admit, like, uh, the post-dinner scene thing, like, I was kind of choked up a little bit. Like, even though I knew it was coming, it's like it's such a powerful movie. It is. Yeah. yeah I, so I, real um, quick, I when, think it's a... when exactly did the dad say, I'm doing this so that my son gets out of the business? Was it the first time that they met? Like it's uh, yeah, it's before the dinner when he oh, goes to his okay, house and okay. he offers him. So Amir didn't he, he hear offers that. him the money for the pig. Yeah, yeah, trying gotcha. to get his okay. son out of the game. Basically, he says he's not cut out for it. Hmm. Which, yeah, I mean that, and that is the um, sort of same thing. If you think about the father representing a a past and the son representing the present day, yeah, uh, it, it's not. It's a movie that sort of encapsulates the um, the the relationship with that oh and i guess the scene we didn't even talk about the scene um where he goes to his old house and there's a little boy there yeah that was another oh, yeah. important one who apparently doesn't have any parents um because he's never seen <laughs> he just walks back there's this kid playing the hippie drum yeah he talks to the kid and then leaves without ever <laughs> contacting an adult about this interaction the, cat, the house is still for sale it's just like a squatter he's just like three years yeah. old squatting at the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. House. a child commune yeah, exactly. And yeah, so the kid is playing this little drum thing. He talks to the kid about a persimmon tree that used to stand there. So and there's got to be some some significance to the tree not being there. I think that maybe it's just another one of those things that he's letting go of. It's changed or something. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. like that weird thing when you go visit your old house and you're like, oh, they fucked it all up. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know? I wanted to, to talk to you guys about that earlier and like remind you that it was there, but I've already like cut everybody off like a million times. So <laughs> now that we're here, I didn't. I'm curious your guys' take on that. Um, yeah, I think just like revisiting an old place like that is just like, like I said, it's like painful to see when like your favorite feature from it is gone. And you're like, why would you take out the persimmon tree? That was like the best part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, persimmons in Greek mythology. Okay, uh, I knew you were going to come go. in hot with something like this. Whack. <laughs> persimmons are called the fruit of Zeus and uh they represent the king of gods and the sort of uh, uh beginning of all Greek myths. Hmm. Huh. Uh, a lot of uh Greek mythology going Persimmons on. Persimmons are like the seed for gods? Yeah. Oh, ambrosia, the food of the gods is made from persimmons. Oh. Hmm. So yeah, don't know how to unpack that, but that's obviously <laughs> I a, don't know a narrative choice. And Persephone is the goddess of hmm. the dead. I'm just in... trying to look up. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know enough about Greek mythology, but there's clearly some Greek. Hopefully, mythology. we have like a very specific kind of nerd listening to this. It's like probably turning red right now and is going to email us. We will have a mailbag uh, for this show for sure. Uh, we don't have anything set up yet because this is our second episode but sorry that nerds. greek mythology nerd yeah hang tight actually dm <laughs> dm whack about it i'm sure he, he wouldn't appreciate it oh yeah i do i do love dms correcting me that's, that's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, wait. I I have one thing I want to go back to. Yeah, the dad please. doesn't want his kid. The dad doesn't want his kid to be doing the fucking what's it called truffles anymore, and that's fine. But I don't really get why because it seemed like he was doing fine. He had like the best guy. I guess maybe maybe Robin's not that good of a truffle hunter. Maybe he probably only finds like five a week. But I'm just saying, like, why didn't the dad want him? Because there's probably like a meaning to that. Like, why didn't the dad want him to be a truffle okay. hunter or truffle seller? Uh, you have been breaking up. You've been breaking up basically this whole episode. But I, I got most I of what you said. That. Yeah, but not everything. <laughs> oh shit! Are you serious? Yeah. Guys, well, you so you're that? because it's it's natively recording. So we're going like the listener oh, okay. won't know the difference. Because yeah, we can't hear. They'll them. they'll hear it just fine. Oh, Don't worry about it. Fuck what the fuck wait i wonder it's if it's not a big internet. deal <laughs> oh shit i'm sorry you're good but what did you what what did you what was the point yeah, try again we'll cut that out oh okay oh all i was saying is like i i'm just curious as to why the dad was like so dead set on that having his kid do the same job as him a truffle dealer it was like me? some sort of like yeah, yeah i can't i think it was a okay. like a okay, masculinity okay. type yeah, I think it was a masculinity type of thing, a sort of like he's mm. not he's not hard enough, he's not yeah. he's not ruthless enough. Well, I he think would also threatened to kill you over this this shit. Yeah, of course. Oh. I think really like what I took from that was obviously um like the dad, he's an asshole, but he's like still kind of trying to look out for his son and wants him to find his own way and not turn out like him because of how miserable he is. I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah, that that probably is more like it. Like go be happy. No, I or he's actually just like an evangelist for the uh, food inventory industry. His son (laughs) really can't hack it. Which, which is funny to think of people like uh, uh, Cisco and uh, uh, Aramark as like (laughs) FSA and shit. Yeah, yeah, as like 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 the Don Corleone of food. Yeah, it's so funny. The Tony Soprano thing. (laughs) You tell anybody (laughs) that you're in FSA, they assume you're mobbed up. It's a stereotype. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> except for in this in this case it is they're all very low level gangsters getting <laughs> mushrooms and scouts. i love it like okay but one like, last reminder that what they're doing is legal yeah <laughs> it's just so <laughs> funny like that edgar guy he's like this leading this fight club and all this shit and at the end his dad's like those tweakers edgar they're they're mine this is yeah. my world and it's like bro talking about a, like a handful of restaurants come on they're your clients. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Megalomaniacal. Not that big of a deal, bro. The truffle king. No, I, I, I think it was really good, though. Like, um, I think it was just about loss, basically. Yeah. Like admitting that someone is gone or something. Functioning, functioning within the, the facts of a loss. Of yeah. Life. And I yeah. think, again, you have to have that kind of like almost intentionally ridiculous pretense to underpin like how pointless it is when you're talking right about- yeah to make it to make your reactions to loss seem as ridiculous as they can often be when you're figuring out what actually matters like the scene with the yeah. sad chef dennis like come on man like start yeah. start your start your wanker pub yeah just do your beans on toast and, yeah make some fish and chips bitch <laughs> another thing <laughs> i got from some of their how do i put this another thing i picked up on is that when you are grieving and you go fuck off to the woods, the world keeps turning. Yeah. Yep. You know, and it's, yep. I think that's a really painful reality when people are experiencing loss and everyone else is just fucking pretending everything's okay. Cause it is for them. And yeah. it's like, that's always really hard when you're going through it. That's and a you're really like, good oh, point. Like, yeah. And the very, you just changed my old restaurant. Cause of course you did. It's yours now. <laughs> and now it's a bakery because I fucking disappeared. Yeah. And the very first thing you learn is that is that Marge is dead and she's been dead for 10 years. Like, every yeah, other, like good point. Yeah. And that and and this is all very well uh, uh, exemplified in the Bare Naked Ladies song, Old Apartment, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think is a great companion. It would have been great if she was singing a Bare Naked Ladies song at the end instead of a Bruce Springsteen song, <laughs> in my opinion. Especially yeah. because they are pop uh, Canadian pop rock sensations, and uh, they used Canadian muddy in the Fight Club scene. So, 
Do you think that was the first time he'd listened to the tape, or do you think that he listened to yeah. it all the time? I think it was the first time. Yeah, so? or like maybe it was his birthday. Does he even know what day it is? I don't. I no, doubt I don't it. think he does his birthday. I think I he think didn't it's have a just watch. like part of his ritual because you know, and the reason I say this, it, one of the first things you see him do is put new batteries into that boombox. Yeah, right, but, right. But so you you think he listens to it frequently? Yeah, that's kind of he's yeah. just out there. He's just okay. stuck listening yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any other additional thoughts? We could still pick out other little things, but we're getting close to an hour. And uh, I mean, I think we said it. You know, you guys had cool, some good points. You had anything? Anything else that I wanted to say was was covered by specifically that, like the world keeps turning. Kind of, you know. That's. I a think really the other thing part. is I I really liked the cinematography. I thought it was cool. It was like. Not necessarily like subtle all the time, but it was it was like you kind of noticed some cool things they did. They there's that thing called playing over. I think is is when someone's talking, but you're actually showing the the person yeah, they're the speaking person's to's reaction. Yeah. And they did that uh, a lot when Nicolas Cage was speaking. When he finally spoke, it was like mostly Dennis. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like just their face, like being like, yeah. "What the hell yeah. is this guy saying to me right now?" And kind of yeah. having a little like you know, one, one shot breakdown. And also uh, I thought it was really cool when he finally broke down and cried at the end, they actually like muted him or yeah. you know what I mean? Like you right. didn't hear him crying. It was just this like silence kind of yeah. fell. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. Kind that of made cool it, moment. I never even really considered that, but that definitely made it way more impactful. Yeah. yeah. Like felt like you were him. Cause you know right. what I mean? Yeah, you were the one. Because it's your crying. reaction that speaks to it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're probably going to be crying during that moment. Right. Except for, unless you're like podcasting with the boys and then yeah. you're not going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> probably. All right. With with that being said, Kelgore, what would you like to plug? Um, Follow me on Twitter, baby. <laughs> I don't know. And we'll link your Twitter. Um, yeah, I got Twitter, Twitter and sure. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'll find me. Kelgore, uh, I don't want to, hopefully I do a good enough job of, of, of explaining kind of what your YouTube channel is. Um, oh, you don't have if you to don't, explain it. No, it's just like good. <laughs> I think the way that you like break issues down is not, I don't want to say like simplified, but it's like, it's very approachable. That's why I like it. I don't and, know. and Thanks, Kelgore nice. is, is in the, and, and you should definitely listen because she is sacrificing her own sanity by. Mm -hmm. learning about some of the worst uh uh scammers in the oh yeah <laughs> mlm I and i got some new characters ready for july I'm actually if you so... follow me on twitter you probably see some of them but i've been kind of falling down a rabbit hole uh and, yeah um, <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about it on the channel in, in july for sure every time you um, every time you post like a parody of something one of those guys would say i am like <laughs> She is ruining her me mental health. She is yeah. ruining her yeah, We need to do I a mental health check. I should stop looking at it, but I can't because Instagram never sleeps, dude. They post these stories right. all the well, time. You, you know, you could take a break because you, <laughs> while, while we were waiting to start recording this, I could hear you just laughing at what oh these guys God. are doing <laughs> while yeah. we're waiting to get set up. I was just like yes. checking in with my weirdo. Yeah, Joker like laughing. List. Basically, yeah, <laughs> essentially. And um, yeah, I'm just like, I'm, I have some theories that are probably going to make me sound crazy. But to answer your question, uh, my YouTube channel is kind of like anti-capitalism, but I kind of oscillate between being extremely serious and taking things very seriously and then like literally getting high on stream and fucking laughing and yeah. being a dork. And so it's kind of a little bit of both. I think some of my stuff is like more serious video essays, not serious, but you know what I mean? I did like, I plan it and stuff. And then some of it's right. like just off the cuff bullshit. Yeah. Looking at bullshit. Well, uh, uh, bird respecter on Twitter. Do you have anything else you'd like to plug? Nope. Just listen to the podcast. Oh, uh, actually I do sign up to our, uh, Patreon, please. There you go. Have we, have we, yes. have we um, have we committed to Patreon as our I think it's gonna premium I think stream? Patreon's the, yeah. There's probably the a Patreon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Give us your money. That's all I got. <laughs> awesome. And I am Whack Nicholson on Twitter, Whack with a silent H. Also, I didn't do it last episode. <laughs> I am going to what? What's funny? <laughs> Sorry. Whack with a silent H. <laughs> it's his <Yeah>. bit. 
play ongoing. It's funny. I like it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, and I am going to start a YouTube channel. Um, oh, you nice. are? Yeah, it has not been uh, made yet. I did record a script, actually, but um, I haven't posted it yet. But that is my plan. I'm going to start a uh, video essay thing in uh, the sort of bread tube, left tube uh, nice. vein of things. So We should yes. we should do a pig-style movie about what it's like to be a YouTuber. Yes. <laughs> Instead of YouTube a truffle club? person. Yeah, exactly. There, there's got to be a fight club element to it. Oh, God, um, I guess i got to start look, a YouTube channel, too, now. Yeah. Just look beat forward the to shit that out August. of a streamer for one minute or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you you oh, open I've up got, a can of worms with that. Cover. I've got some candidates in mind. <laughs> Does that count as target harassment? <laughs> parody. Not parody. unless uh, not unless we say Hassan's name. Does it count? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even thinking Hassan. Um. Anyway. All right. Uh, that's gonna be it. Now that yeah, we've that's specifically be targeted. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was super fun. Yes, thank you. We'll have you on again. Thank you sure. so much. Yeah, ha- come on anytime, please. <laughs> All right, will do. All right, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.